All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I hope you had a great 2022. This feels weird. Uh, I was talking to Eliza just before the podcast and yeah, we haven't done it for so long. Um, It was weird setting up the computer, setting everything up, but here we are. I'm really excited. And today we are just going to do a general catch up, but also talk about Eliza's experience having a newborn. So congratulations, Eliza. Thank you. Uh, He's three months old now. Yeah, well, almost four. Um, makes all the difference between three and four months. You you wouldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, it's weird to think the last time we were podcasting, you were like, oh, she might have a baby soon. And now I here I am with a four-month-old. So it's... Life. Lots changed. <laughs> That's life. Uh, otherwise, good to be back. I uh, hope, like I said, I hope you guys had a great new year. If you missed the little announcement podcast I did. A few things are changing. Unfortunately, we're not going to be on YouTube anymore for now. It's all going to be audio. You guys listening to this would uh, know that, obviously. Um, And we're going to get through the sponsors all at the start of the podcast. So today we just have one sponsor, Good Old Crush or Organics. Uh, It's been a stressful time. I'm sure it has. Start of the new year, uh, end of last year. So if you want to relax, if you want to unwind, get yourself some Crush Organic CBD oil, use the code NEIL, you get 40% off, huge range of products. And Eliza, I'm sure it, it won't be long till Remy's on the, on the CBD oil. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be on something better. He's on that than anything else. So get yourself some CBD oil. Uh, if you'd like to see a great comedy show, if you live in Melbourne, Sydney or Newcastle, go to comedyuntamed.com weekly in Sydney and weekly in Melbourne. I'll talk about that later in the podcast, but uh, every single Thursday it's happening in Melbourne with some other fantastic comedians. So go and see them. All right. Oh, this, like I said, this feels very weird. How are yeah, you it feels feeling? like I'm, I'm like naked again. Yeah. I mean, not again. <laughs> it feels like I'm naked for the first time on a podcast. It feels like raw and um, weird. I had literal spider webs the cobwebs on my webcam it's been so long it feels nice to even just go on a computer i bought a laptop the other day for myself i haven't um even used it but nice to be able to use my brain a little bit slightly and talk to an adult again so i'm sure that's happy nice days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well i want to know what what have you been doing the last few oh, months look I, don't, I think we've got to talk about you've had a much bigger um <laughs> a few much more notable events happen in your life. Oh. So I think we've got to, we got to deal with that first. So first of all, how was the actual birth? Was it, uh, you, oh. you told me you were in the hospital <laughs> for quite a while. Was the labor yeah. long? How did that all go? Oh, it was terrible. So I, um, you know how actually a, there was a girl that came to one of your shows with her partner and she bought you, her name's Megan. She bought you like a, a Kiwi or something like that. Or I don't yes. Know, like a, yes. Yeah. Shout so out. I yeah. Actually, yeah. Really nice. I spoke to her um, right in the lead up to my birth because she's studying to be a midwife and she was giving me such great advice because I, and I was telling you as well, all these complications are happening because of my back injury and having a really big baby. Um, so I wish I had taken her advice a little bit more like intensely because I got swayed by my obstetricians and, and the people at the hospital. But basically I was 39 weeks pregnant and I had a scan and they were saying like, your baby's massive. We need to induce you now, which is where they use like chemicals to hopefully get you into labor. Um, Cause they were like, once he's above four and a half kilos, we don't want to um, have a natural birth. We want to, um, we will opt for a C-section, which I wanted to avoid. I really wanted a natural birth. 
So I was like, I felt a bit trapped, but anyway, I went in to get induced and that was the most horrific experience of my life. I've heard great things from some people. For me, it absolutely was not. Um, it took, I was in there for a week. They tried like every method so many times, nothing was progressing, Week. but I was, yeah, <laughs> which I found out is a lot longer than most people would go in for two days. And if it doesn't progress, they would send you home or give you a C-section. But for me, it was a really long time. Um, so, and I was so laboring wait. as well. <laughs> right. So, okay. So you were in labor. So it wasn't like they were trying to induce Remy to come out prematurely. It was... What, yeah. What's the exact science behind all of, all of that? So, okay, I'll walk you through it. So the first thing they do is they put this thing called, um, I don't know what it's called, but it, they just nickname it the gel. So they put it inside you. And the idea is that it irritates your uterus so that you dilate, it opens up, baby comes out. So the first time they did it and they said they put it in, it feels fine, no pain, anything like that. Um, you barely feel it. And then they say like, we'll, we'll check again in eight hours and see how it is. So I slept overnight, all is dandy, check the next morning, no progress. And she said, you know, they were saying usually it's the second one that kind of gets things along. Um, so she put it in a second time. Um, and then <laughs> uh, it's, things started progressing really fast after that. Well, what I thought was progressing, I started getting contractions. They were going off the scale. They started every like 20 minutes and they were getting down to every couple of minutes. So we were like, it's happening. But even though I was having all these like crazy contractions, which are so painful. Um, what is, what do they feel wasn't... like? What does that feel like? Oh my God. I can't even, people were saying like, it would feel like it's the worst period pain of your life. Um, like really bad period cramps. So I was, I was thinking I'll be fine at this. Cause I already get like crazy, like cramps already. So I was like, well, I'll be fine. I was not prepared for that level of, pain it, it's totally debilitating and i did all like the hypnosis courses i did everything like gentle breathing techniques meditation nothing was like it's crystals really the crystals didn't work <laughs> crystals i had the spray i had everything uh nothing was working is it, is it like a uh, sharp muscular kind of pain it's, or? Sharp. it's okay. like it feels like your appendix is bursting literally like if I were at home and I had experienced that, I would be calling an ambulance if I didn't know that wow. was like a contraction and normal. It was so painful. But also at the same time, it's not like unbearable because I was excited. So I was smiling through it, laughing, like being like, holy fuck, like this hurts so bad. But, you know, like I wasn't dying, screaming yet. Um, you know, obviously I wasn't dilating, which means that you're inside opens up a couple centimeters and baby starts to move down. So I wasn't like at probably a 10 out of 10 where most women are when they give birth. Um, so yeah, they were, they did the gel a second time. It didn't work, but I started um, going into early labor and having contractions and it was like that for 36 hours. So I couldn't sleep. I was like, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move because I was having all these contractions. It was so painful. So, so the entire so 36 hours, it wasn't like there was a reprieve. It's just you were in pain for no. the whole 36 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus. it was coming in every like few minutes. Yeah. It was insane. And they kept being like, let's push through. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, so nothing happens and to check how dilated you are, they have to, I've had it, this silly idea that they kind of just take a look and it will be easy, but they have to like really insert their hands inside you. And that is, it's so painful. It's so uncomfortable. And that happens to me like probably 30 times in one week. So that wasn't fun. Um, 
So after that was unsuccessful, they decided to do something called like the balloon. And I've heard a lot of mixed things about the balloon because yeah, I'm a research woman. So I listened to a million birth stories, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people said, you know, for me, the balloon was fine. Um, and it was totally successful. And other people say it was the worst thing they'd ever experienced where essentially they put, it's basically they put a balloon inside you, um, expand okay. it so that it stretches you out and hopefully you dilate and baby falls out. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. Um, they took me down to, to do that. And I was what, really, what material is this balloon? What is it? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. It's um, not like an actual, just a normal balloon. It's like a very firm mirror. balloon and they fill it with water. So it's okay. not something that can pop, but it can fall out, which is a good sign when it falls out because it means you're dilating. Okay. Um, so they tried that and I had an experience with a young doctor. I'm pretty sure he was on his residency because he couldn't have been more than like 25 years old. And he had checked me over the weeks before because I've been in hospital a couple of times for reduced movements. And he had given me a couple of like examinations to see if I was dilating. And I could tell the difference between this doctor and more experienced doctors because the experienced doctors, when they checked me, it was so painful. When he checked me, I was basically just getting fingered <laughs> by a guy. Um, he wasn't doing it right. And, wait, 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 wait. Sure. <laughs> hang on, hang on. All right. You can't just like skim over something like that. Surely that would be some sort of area where he'd receive quite considerable training on how to do it. <laughs> yeah, there was someone there supervising him. So he put his fingers in me and, um, but I had told him just before he did it, like, oh, I got checked yesterday by a midwife and she said, I'm not at all dilated and it's really like firm. So they say like, they, they feel up inside you when you're firm, it feels like nose cartilage, like it's that hard. And then it softens and okay. then it starts to expand. That's the process. And so that's so what he put okay. His, he put his fingers in, but it even reached the cervix where you're supposed to poke. He just was feeling around the inside of me. And he was like, I don't think anything's open. And I was just, I wasn't gonna tell him like, you know, you're not hitting the spot because I just was like, yeah, well, I already know it's not open. So I'll, I'll um, let it slide. Um, but yeah, I had, I knew he was quite young and maybe not experienced in it. Oh, so when, um, they took invasive. me down to, <laughs> yeah, when they took me to do this balloon, there was an obstetrician there, um, a really experienced female obstetrician and he was there too. And I didn't realize he would be attempting to insert the balloon in me. Um, and I have a feeling it may have been his first time. So they start by opening you up with like a speculum, which is literally like metal tongs. And then they like crank it. So it like widens you. And that itself is oh. really painful <laughs> and so like barbaric. Um, and <laughs> so he's doing that. And I was instantly like, I feel like there's a knife inside me like this. I was like, literally started screaming something wasn't right. And then she's like, oh, he put it in wrong. Sorry. Like he hit the wrong angle. Um, <laughs> so they pulled it out and she was like i'll oh, do the wow. speculum and then he can do the balloon and i was stressing and i had gas by the way so it was supposed to reduce the pain or whatever um and then they tried again a second time and it something went wrong again it was literally the worst experience of my life i had four people having to hold me down on my arms and my legs we must have been were you, yeah were you were you also terrified that there could be an issue or something yeah 
it was like I was like I don't want to do this I don't want to do this um and then but then I was a bit of a pushover like if I had really said stop I withdraw my consent they would have to stop but I didn't I was just saying this doesn't feel right like I don't want to do this and they were like come on this is the next step this will bring you close to your baby so I suppose um, for doctors and midwives yeah. maybe not this guy but it becomes so uh you know normal for them that it's just another procedure yeah. they probably yeah. forget that this is you know someone's yeah. massive day really. massive life event yeah. and yeah it was crazy so that i was like had this gas in my mouth and i was screaming and i've like never like adrian's never heard me scream like in pain or anything he was like saying to them something's not right like this she's not like this like something's not right like you need to stop kind of thing and then um, they, they're only allowed to attempt it three times. So on the third time it failed again. Um, and I was passing out, literally I was drenched in sweat, passing out so heavily pregnant. And um, I said after that, I was like, I need a C-section. Uh, get me, okay. just get him out. Like I need a C-section. Um, and the obstetrician who was brand new to the hospital said, no, I'm not giving you one. And why? We what like, was the reason? <laughs> well, different she was saying like you know there's so many benefits to a natural birth compared to a cesarean which there is and she also said there's so many more risks to a cesarean like we have to move your organs we have to cut through seven layers like there's a lot more risk to a cesarean and i said i've been here for five six days now i've been in labor for the last like day and a half i need this baby i haven't slept in four days like not even a minute i'm going delirious like i need the cesarean and she kept saying like i'm not gonna do it and then Adrian was a really good advocate and he was like, at what point does this become our choice for what happens to her body rather than yours? Like, when do we get to decide what happens to her? And by the way, I should say I was in a public hospital. Um, and she was like, fine, I'll, but I'm not doing it today. You'll have to wait till tomorrow. Maybe I'll see if I can put you on the list. And then she left and the midwives were like, she's brand new. She's really like, she doesn't want to, um, puts you on a, give you a cesarean because one, it's really expensive for the hospital and two, it looks bad for her. She has a failed induction and she's brand new to this hospital. And she's like, she's been doing this. So um, don't worry, I'll go put you on the list for tomorrow to get a cesarean and it'll all be sorted. Wow. So, so the, to, the career yeah. politics of the public health system and they were all is affecting about it to me. <laughs> the birth and of your like, baby. I was like, get this fucking baby out of me, <laughs> like, please. And um, so the next day comes around and I'm like so excited thinking I'm going to have a C-section now. And they come in, the nurse comes in in the morning and was like, she, she said, the nurse put me on the list for a C-section. And then, um, that doctor took me off the list. <laughs> so Whoa. she was hoping I would progress into a natural birth, like overnight, um, or that I would start dilating. And she was like, I'm going to break Eliza's waters in the morning. So she'll have to give, have a natural birth. So it took me off the list and I was devastated. Um, it was really frustrating. I was so angry and I asked her to put me on. She said no. And then literally she went home for the day. Two minutes later, the next, you know, obstetrician on, um, on the, on in charge came in and I said, I'm on a C-section. He said, okay, give you one in the morning. <laughs> I was like, I've been asking for this for days, but, um, Wow. Yeah, so, so do you think it was purely because she uh, didn't want it to look bad that she wasn't able yeah, to induce the birth? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because when that, when the male obstetrician came in and I'd also seen him a couple of times before and he was the one originally, I don't know if you remember me telling this, but when I was pregnant, like I was tossing up 
because I kept getting different advice. He was the one saying like with your back injury um, and with, you know, the size of your baby, I would be encouraging a C-section. So he came on and he was like, why haven't you, I'm surprised you're even here like trying to be induced. Like let's, let's get you on the table. So, so you're <laughs> so, four, still four days into this with the, yeah. what, the still the contractions happening and yeah, they yeah, tried the three yeah. times and you haven't slept and yeah, God, you must've so been in bad. just the worst state already i was and i did by the end i literally didn't look like me like you look back at photos of me i was unrecognizable it was just horrific and um finally the next morning came around and i had and adrian was saying like wouldn't it be great if we just had this super like easygoing doctor come in and say we're gonna do a c-section and it just be like a really enjoyable experience so then this Two minutes later, this guy walks in, he's like 55, surfer, tatted, dead, and he's like, hey, Eliza, how are you going? Like, I heard we're going to get your baby out today, I'm going to do your surgery. And then the whole way, he was like wheeling me down in the hospital bed, and he's like, oh, I love doing this, this is my absolute passion, like seeing mums with their babies for the first time. And he was so like easygoing and funny, we just felt so good about it, and we were so relieved. And then as soon as we get to the waiting room, they come out and they were like, Oh, there's there's a change of plans. There's an issue. No, your surgery anymore. <laughs> that other doctor that we had an argument with two days ago is yeah. doing your surgery. Fucked. Yeah. So I was instantly Jeez. anxious, and I was like, she hates me. This I don't is like want a her sitcom. Operating on me. Yeah. I was so scared. I was like, she's gonna botch me on purpose. Like, cause we ended up in a full <sighs> argument where she was like, I'm not giving you a C-section, and we were like saying, what what else can we do? Um, so can so... she legally do that? She can. No. No, oh. you're not allowed to, they're not allowed to deny. They're allowed to like strongly discourage you, but that's as far as it can go. So she was kind of trying to find loopholes by forgetting to put me on the list when she actually took me off and then putting me as the lowest priority. So anyone that had a plan already planned for a C-section and things like that um, would be bumped to the top and I kept getting bumped to the bottom. So yeah, it was a bit dodgy and I was a bit un <laughs> unhappy about that. Um, to say the anyway, least. Yeah, so finally we went in and it was crazy. Like inside the room, there's like a hundred people. Not really. There's probably thirty like doctors and nurses. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it and the people that like put the spinal tap in you, uh, they have a whole team. And he was telling me like, you know, we're gonna put this in. You're gonna feel really numb. Um, it feels exactly the way it feels when you. Um, you know when you wake up and your like arms numb and you can pick it up and you can kind of feel it but it's like completely numb yeah that's exactly what your whole body feels like from like boobs down and he he missed the spot a couple of times which no. <laughs> it's not his fault though it's because i have a wonky spine and we didn't know like the extent of oh, it the um, hurdles to so, get this baby out of you jesus yeah he he hit a nerve a couple of times, which was really painful, but it um it didn't cause any damage or anything, so it was fine. And when I say it was really painful, it's just like uncomfortable for like two seconds. It wasn't like the needle. Don't get scared by it. It's actually not too bad. Uh, but I was one of the unlucky ones when they started this surgery, um, and they were cutting me open, and I started Adrian. Like you're fully conscious, you can't see anything. You just have a sheet in front of you. And, and you, don't, was, you don't feel yeah. anything at all or do you still feel a numbness? You feel, or... you feel a little bit. So you feel like it kind of feels like you're, someone's almost giving CPR on you. Okay. But, um, but you don't, like you're numb almost. Like you can feel your body getting jostled around. And Adrian was like, what does it feel like? And I was like, oh, like I can feel 
um, things like moving inside and they can feel their hands and all the nurses were like, that's normal. Everyone can feel it. But then it started like getting, I kind of was getting more feeling. And I was like, I'm feeling like a really sharp, like stretching um, feeling. And I was like, I feel like I can feel like metal. Like I kept feeling like I could feel what felt like someone like clicking inside me um, and shoving things. And then my whole body literally started convulsing. Um, and I was like, I can feel like everything. <laughs> um, it wasn't like zero to a hundred. It was building up where I was like, I'm starting to feel pain. And the, the, um, doctors were like, just everyone stopped and looked at each other and they were like, get the mask on her, get the mask on her. And then the other doctor was like, get the baby out so she can see it. Cause we've got to put her to sleep. Um, so they had the mask on me. They were like counting down and then they pulled out the baby and I saw him and I just remember saying, oh my God, he's not big at all. Like I didn't even need to do this. And they were all like, no, he's big. And then I was out. I was, I was gone. <laughs> what happened? So, what was the, why were you feeling the, the click and all that sort of stuff? I was think, there an will, issue with the, yeah. they said that, um, it was probably because of my back injury that I wasn't getting the, the actual correct spot. So it had only been like half effective for me. Um, so I was gaining feeling back, which sounds really traumatic. Like the next day, actually, the trauma team came and spoke to me and checked and I was like, eh, it's fine. Like the balloon thing was 10 times more traumatic to me <laughs> than gaining feeling during a C-section. That wasn't too bad, actually. It was like, it was happening in slow motion almost. So um, they got onto it really fast. But and the, the hard thing was, was when I came, I woke up. And I was in a room with these nurses I hadn't seen. And I was like, where's my baby? Like, is he okay? And they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know where he was. <laughs> I was so mad. Just um, so like, such poor organizing. Like, wouldn't you say this woman's just God. been put to sleep during the C-section? She doesn't know if her baby's okay. Like, you, I don't know what the logic was. In so that. then they went and found him and it was all good yeah so Adrian had him the, the whole time which okay. was really nice they gave him straight to adrian as soon as i was asleep and adrian sat with him for two hours just doing chest to chest like skin to skin contact yeah him. Um, and they did the checks and things like that and he wasn't as big as they thought he was going to be he was 4.1 kilos which is still kind of big but not like i could have done it naturally if i probably waited for an actual labor yeah. um but yeah, then, um, then after like two days at the hospital, they sent me home, but the, like the, the feeling of after a C-section was like, the pain is crazy, crazy bad. And you feel your organs literally sloshing <laughs> as, as you move. Cause they kind of just oh put God. them in randomly and they form their places over the next couple of days and weeks. Like they go back to the natural spots. So really? everything feels like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, really um uncomfortable and sore so what would have happened before modern medicine let's say this was a hundred years ago what yeah. would have happened would you i mean what would have happened because there was so well, much technology that was yeah uh you know used on you and yeah women died in childbirth all the time well they'd never induce them which is going to put up your success rate already the biggest okay. issue is like if your baby was breached which is where it's like um it's its head is up, like it's bum down rather than head down. So it's like, so come out first. That's always a big issue with women in childbirth where they usually just be like C-section. But back in the day, they would push your stomach to try rotate the baby or even just have the baby legs out and hope for the best. Um, and then in other scenarios when it was like nothing's happening, like if it was my scenario kind of, 
they would have to they'd look at the husband and they say it's got to be the baby or the mother <laughs> like you have to you have Ooh. to choose and they would give c-sections like without with their own version of like a pain medication but the mothers always died in that <laughs> process so yeah and yeah, that wouldn't have been that long ago yeah it's crazy well, 100 150 years ago like, or something yeah so dangerous and even it's like you think once you give birth it's all over and done with like but god like the recovery was insane and I, now I've, I've just found out recently as well like i have all these like permanent damage to, to my body that permanent is, yeah well, well basically um I've had a postnatal examination, which if you're pregnant, please get one because I know so many women don't do this um, through a women's health physio. And they check to see like if, uh, first of all, they check you internally to see if you have prolapse, um, which sometimes your bladder can come out your vagina, um, organs can move down. Some people have a rectum prolapse, like all these crazy things. The, the questions they ask you, it's so sad. Like she'll be like, when you poo, do you have to scoop out your poo with your finger? Like that's just what the reality, what happens to some women. And I was like, oh my God, does like, does that happen frequently? And she was like, yeah, in fact, you're one of the few people that have no issues to the pelvic floor or no prolapse at all. So like I was in the minority, thank God, everything was okay in that aspect. But most women that get childbirth have some degree of prolapse, um, tear, like, irreversible damage all these like really shitty things and then every child you have afterwards makes it worse almost and sometimes it's irreversible like most prolapses are irreversible you can do like exercises to help them and stuff like that but you it's always going to be there unless you get it like sewn up with a mesh kind of thing um so i found out that then they do an exam on your body and you know how I, um, I've been trying to get a diagnosis for EDS and you know how that guy emailed you once being like, I'm pretty sure Eliza has this condition that she keeps talking about. Yeah. But doesn't know what the condition is. He was right. Um, and part of that is like just basically it's just a ligament muscle and joint issue. Um, and what's really common with that is when you have babies, um, it like can really like fully tear your muscles so all my abdominal muscles, like I have like a severe ab separation, which basically means my abdominal muscles are no longer, they're almost like unattached. They're just floating in my stomach and they're very deep. So if I lie flat and I like suck my tummy in, I can put my fist straight into like, like almost like just under my chest, straight in towards my spine so deep. It's crazy. Whoa. And I can't do anything with my um, like, I can't use my core muscles at all. Like I can't even do a sit up because my they're just floating. <laughs> they're just so far separated, and it's really like my level is really severe. So the birth um, exacerbated this. It was already a condition yeah. you had. And... Yeah, it was just having a bad um, ligament issue with a really big baby. Um, plus my yeah my issues with my muscles already was kind of bound to happen. So if you're pregnant, she said, basically the only way to stop this from happening is to tape your stomach. So I, or like wear like a belly band. So please do that if you're pregnant or planning to get pregnant. That's like my biggest regret. So she told me for some women and most women, like you can reverse it a little bit, like with the exercises. But if you, when it's as bad as it is mine, 
um, which it's almost like the way it's impacted me is it's almost as though I've had triplets. Like that's the way my muscles are like. Um, wow. She said she doesn't know if that will be reversible, in which case you have to get like surgery, like a muscle repair surgery, which is a tummy tuck. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of sad because I said to her like, well, what happens if I want another baby? And she was like, it will probably get worse. Um, and if it gets any worse than what it already is, then when you have surgery, they have to um, tie them together with mesh. And then you have all these like risks of like toxic shock syndrome, decay of the mesh in your body. Like there's all these current cases against that. Like, you want to do anything you can to avoid the mesh to hold your muscles together. So I wow. might be one and done. Who knows? But Adrian and I have been talking about fostering forever. Um, so yeah. maybe that's just setting me on that path. So I'm not too upset. Yeah, like, I mean, it look, is, it's, it's what, what it is. three, four months. I think you can yeah, have some time before exactly. you even consider that. Yeah. yeah, and you can have a baby after you have the surgery as well um, and then do a surgery a second time. The only thing is, is the surgery costs $20,000 and um, the recovery is like way worse than a C-section. And the C-section took me 10 weeks to recover from because I have really like, Wound okay, so you um, basically only yeah. just fully recovered. Yeah, and some women say they feel fine after five days. Like my friend gave birth on the twentieth of December, and she was out with her family on Christmas Day, like celebrating, walking around. I was fully bed bound, and this is another symptom of EDS: is poor wound healing. And my my scar opened up like five times, and then I had all these issues, which was gross. Uh, and I had all these issues with like really severe pain, so I had to keep going back to the hospital. And it turns out like my nerve endings got sewn together, so like it was just, you can't do anything; you just have to wait basically for that <laughs> to, to resolve itself, which it has now, thankfully. Um, wow, everything's good. Yeah. Well, congratulations! It uh, <laughs> sounds like that was quite the ordeal. Been great. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was, uh, I want to say it was traumatizing. I think the most traumatizing aspect was actually like the anxiety I felt during pregnancy. Birthing was okay. The consequences has been like whatever. And it's so cringe when I used to cringe when people would say this, but really having him makes it all like worth it. Like I would do it again in a heartbeat, no, no doubt. Having a baby's been the best thing that's ever happened to me, which like is kind of sad <laughs> for me because I never thought I'd be the one saying that, but it really truly is. It's not sad. Um, What's sad about that? You've okay. brought Always life like, into the world. That's yeah, it's, it is it's like a miracle. A really magical, yeah, little thing that happened. And like, I'd always cringe when people would say, um, you know, like, oh, you think you know love, but you don't until you've had a baby. And, and I would be like eye rolling. Now I'm like, oh my god, the level of love I have felt. Like, it makes me sick to my stomach how much I love him. I've, I've never. Oh, sorry, that's, <laughs> that's all right. My dog. <laughs> going crazy um just really is he gonna wake the baby up or she sorry wait nelly's nelly's female right nelly stop she's a female yeah she's mad stop it <laughs> how's she been how's the how's nelly responded yeah she's she's been really good she likes him she's we had um training done before we saw a dog trainer and um we were asking her like she has a baby as well and she works specifically with like reactive dogs and also training dogs to be with babies and stuff like that um and we asked her advice and she said don't whatever you do everyone takes the baby blanket home for the hospital and introduces it to the dog beforehand so they get used to the scent don't do that because then the dog thinks it's theirs and becomes like possessive over them so the dog, um, wait the dog actually thinks find, it's 
Yeah, because wow. they get the scent, they put it in their bed, and if you put that in their space, they become like they think it's theirs. Um, so they treat it they like get, it's like, their baby. Yeah, and every single nurse when they were like, "Do you have a dog?" and I was like, "Yeah," and they were like, "Well, put when you have birth, like put us like something he wears or the blanket and bring it home and give it to your dog." Everyone was telling me, and this my dog trainer was like, "Absolutely, do not do that." Um, and this woman that lives down the road actually had a baby at a similar time with me. And she also has a rescue dog. That's a bit like Nelly, um, like a staffy, but like three times the size, like pit bull kind of mix. And she said she took the blanket home from the hospital and she was like, don't let your dog near my dog anymore because he's so protective. He won't let anyone go near the baby at all. And I was saying it starts off with other dogs, but then it progresses to they won't even let the family near the baby. Like it gets, you know, I was a bit nervous. I was like, you need to speak to a dog trainer immediately before like um, something terrible happens. And interestingly, the Central Coast has one of the highest rates of babies mauled by dogs to death. Um, I learned. <laughs> yes, so uh, that was scary. So yeah, Nelly's, like that. Nelly's been really good. <laughs> yeah, okay. she's not... She's not like so interested in him where she's like possessive. She was a bit like, what is that? Had a couple of sniffs and then she's just gone on about her life as normal. She comes in when I play with him and she like licks his feet occasionally. There's one little lick, but she knows that she's not allowed to get in his face. She's not allowed to be near him. Like I've really taught her really intense boundaries around him. And she, she like listens to them all. She doesn't go near him at all unless I allow it. In which case, if I did allow it, it'd be for like one second. Like I'm not going to let him let her get in his face or anything like that because you never know you, everyone thinks you can trust your dog and i feel like i can trust my dog but you know no, <laughs> no one course. would let their baby near a dog if they didn't trust them but yeah everyone does wanna, yeah no, shitty things happen don't want to take that yes. risk for sure yeah and yeah. how's uh how's adrian been throughout all this he's been he's been really good it was really stressful in the first like few weeks because adrian's never even held a baby before so and i was really trying to prep him a lot beforehand for what it's going to be like but i don't think he really understood the extent of it um like it was really stressful when i actually came home from hospital i forgot about this till just now i had really bad um baby blues and that happens to like i think it's 86 percent of women experience baby blues because of the shift in your hormones after you have your babies your hormones just plummet for a week or two and it was the first time in my life i've ever felt depressed um and i was so hysterical i kept crying over literally nothing and but yet i was so happy about the baby i never had any concerns about the baby but i was just like crying over literally nothing for two weeks and then it was like day 13 and i was the happiest i've ever been just switched like that when my hormones regulated again That's <laughs> so right. sorry there's a bird outside she's going nuts um I'm going to text Adrian actually. It's fine. Get her. Good soundscape. <laughs> She's such a pest. Um, but yeah, so during those first two weeks, I think he was a bit scared that it would be like that permanently or something, but I was just going to be like this postpartum mess. Um, and I had issues with, because my birth was considered a little bit traumatic um when you don't have like this release of oxytocin which usually comes when you have a natural birth regardless of the outcome of it um you your, your milk comes in straight after birth if you had a really like good birth if you had a natural birth your body knows i've given a baby i need to have my milk in i had a bit of a traumatizing birth so my milk didn't come in for like nine days 
Um, and I was like, I don't know if I have a supply. People with EDS often find it really hard to breastfeed. I had some nurses telling me like, you need to give them formula only. And then other nurses saying, don't give them formula, just keep putting them on the boob. So I basically, I was feeding around the clock, then pumping as soon as you stopped feeding, like I was doing everything. Um, and my milk came in nine days later, which is crazy. Usually it's like three to five days, but for me, it was nine. So before that, it was really stressful. And um, for the first like five, six weeks, or maybe even more, maybe up to eight weeks, I was feeding him like breastfeeding for 14 hours a day, like 14 to 17 hours. I had my baby on my boobs. So I didn't get any sleep. Oh. Like it was nonstop. Um, don't even get me started on how painful <laughs> it is as well. And what the damage that it did to my boob was so disgustingly horrific um so that was that was um a bit rough but then it's almost like once you hit week five your baby smiles at you for the first time and then a couple of weeks later he starts sleeping properly and then everything just gets easier and easier and easier um so when i used to breastfeed for like 14 to 17 hours a day i now breastfeed at his 16 weeks um for an hour and a half in a 24 hour period so it's crazy like how much can change in just a couple of weeks so it's got wow. to stick with it um but yeah he's he's loving it like i think he's finding it the most fulfilling um it's he's ever been that he's really like natural and it's kind of like saddening and frustrating at times when every time a nurse would come over or we would go out to a doctor's appointment they'd always be like wow how amazing adrian you're here like what a good dad and one time a nurse came to my house and adrian I was sitting down and we were chatting and Adrian came out carrying the baby and she was like, this is the first time I've ever seen a man walking in holding the baby rather than the mum. Like, wow, how amazing. And I was like, he's a dad. Like, <laughs> so let's not, let's not reward him for holding a baby, like for two seconds. Um, <laughs> my back's broken from doing it so many hours a day, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that how many like people in the health system were really, and this might be a Central Coast thing. I don't know if it's an Australia thing, but they were shocked at how like involved. Yeah, Adrian you do. Was. You do hear that, but it seems yeah, quite logical that you'd want to uh, be as involved as possible in yeah. the birth of your child. Working then, like it was just like, yeah, it was interesting. But I, what I did find interesting though was like for the first time ever, like around like two or three months maybe, or maybe around two months after having Remy, like Adrian and I had the most strain on our relationship that we've ever had and the most like, I guess, problems. Um, and so that was interesting to me because I was like up until that point, we've never had an argument. We never had really any issues, but that was the first time I felt like proper strain, like really stressed um and upset and things like that and a lot of that was hormones but it was also like communication and and he you know he's an anxious person and having a baby screaming and like it's very overwhelming and i he would get kind of touched out or or overwhelmed by the baby screaming and i'd be like i haven't slept in 40 hours like get the fuck over it and hold the baby <laughs> kind of thing because i had no patience um so I do think that was interesting because I've read that um, I'm reading a book. I just finished a book and it's called, uh, by John Gottman and it's about like eight dates to everlasting love or something. And they have this whole chapter about kids and they say that for basically every couple that have kids, statistically your relationship satisfaction plummets until they're 18 years old and then it goes back up. Uh, so they're like, if you can last 18 years, you're fine. 
<laughs> but Same especially time. in the first three years of baby's childbirth, like relationships can really fall apart, which yeah. I found interesting when I first heard about that. But now since having a baby, I can, I can really understand it, especially if you don't have a partner that's really supportive and hands-on, which I'm lucky Adrian is. Um, but if he wasn't, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be, it'd be, you know, we'd be out shit creep basically. So that's, that was an interesting little thing for me, I, I guess. We're all good now. Um, and we're, I think we're closer than ever and more in love than ever and, and happier than ever. But there were definitely times where I was like really um, struggling, I think, in that aspect because I don't know, like, and things were out of his, out of his even like, weren't even his fault like one time when I just got home from hospital after the c-section he um he got food poisoning and I was bed bound I couldn't walk uh, but he locked himself in his room because he was vomiting and I have a vomit phobia so he was kind of protecting me from it but then Remy was crying every like 30 minutes and I had I couldn't pick up a baby but I had to and I was so upset with him and it wasn't even his fault but that's just the reality of postpartum like you you so hormonal you're stressed your yeah. body feels shit and you want as much help as you can get like you the partners really have to step up and I also felt like there was a lot of emotional burden where I kept saying like I shouldn't have to educate you on every single thing about babies, which I was doing. Um, and that was, even though he came to baby classes with me and he read a couple of books, which is more than most men do or a lot of men do, which is great. But I still felt like there was such an emotional burden on me to have to like, I was so physically, you know, um, having so many issues physically, but then also having to constantly tell him, this is how you do that. This is how you get him to sleep. This is how you, do this like and I was like this is my first baby too like pick up your game I actually made I don't know if you saw it a TikTok um about Adrian yeah it went a bit and viral didn't it it did yeah. <laughs> 465,000 views and I felt bad because I did it in humor and I was paying him out and I was saying um like stupid things my husband or my or my partner said to me um during or before childbirth and one of them was Adrian asked if he has a cervix the other one, he saw um, uh, an umbilical cord and said, is that the fallopian tubes? And the third one, he asked, does baby, will he be born with teeth? And I kind of made it as like a funny little like in jest. And there were so many women in my comments being like, this is fucking disgusting. Like, he shouldn't well, have Well, that's TikTok for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it so reaches a funny. certain demographic and it's the same. Yeah, which I get. You know, I get stuff response, about women, but, but it's... Uh... Yeah. I wouldn't take that to to heart. Um, yeah, thankfully he didn't. Well, that's it's good that you guys have come through that, and every everything yeah. I've read talks about how much of a strain a baby has on any relationship, yeah. and yeah, that's interesting that it doesn't reach this similar satisfaction levels till the baby's eighteen. So then, if you have two or three yeah. children and say they're three years apart, that declines further with each child. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's isn't that wild. It's, it's, but, um, it, I'm in like heaps of like forums, like Facebook groups. You can be like babies born in September 2022 Australia. So I'm in that one, in the August one. And literally every single day, there's like ten women that post being like, you know, I'm six weeks postpartum. My my husband's out at the bar. He came home at 4 a.m. Like I've got two other kids. Like all these things basically just like their partners not being present with them and supporting them enough and uh you can so see how relationships 
fall down or even like a lot of women commenting saying saying things like my my i'm 10 weeks after giving birth and my husband isn't happy with the way my body looks and wants me to lose weight faster and all these things and it's like so you're at such a vulnerable spot as it is it's so disheartening to see that so many women experience that and it's so common i'm just like and i even saw on reddit the other day this guy posted um saying should i my wife's you know how many however many weeks postpartum and she's really self-conscious of her boobs the way her boobs looks because she's breastfeeding and breastfeeding changes or even just pregnancy changes your boobs drastically let me tell you and um he posted saying should i tell my wife that her boobs yes they're much lower than where they were but i still love them and every single person commented and said no you fucking idiot like <laughs> don't don't say that just say you love them like you don't have to like point out those flaws it's just kind of like this little miscommunication things that seems to happen um so it's important for partners to just like step up and do the work like nowadays after i had this conversation with adrian where i said i'm not going to educate you on this anymore like you need to step up and do this like i know because he was working he gets up at like 4 30 to go to work in sydney and then comes home at 5 6 so he's exhausted and then i give him the baby and then the baby starts crying and he's like he's like says to me like some he was saying you know i need i need a rest like i need sleep or something and i'd be like well you slept through the whole night i got up eight times i held the baby for 12 hours today i fed him non-stop my back is aching i haven't showered in two days like it's my self-care shouldn't be having a shower a shower is a basic need like that shouldn't be something that i get as a reward when you're here cool i can take a shower like i should be able to sit and watch tv like you do and stuff like that so i had a big coming to jesus talk with him and since then now when he gets home he um takes the baby home takes the baby out every afternoon they go out with um him and nelly they go to the beach or they go for a walk so then i get like two hours to myself in silence and it's made such a difference but then when i say that to my friends or like people in my mother's group a lot of them don't have the confidence or that their uh, like the, the fathers don't have the confidence to be alone with the baby and and the mother is there even like i don't know if i can do that be apart from my baby for so long it's kind of like well you gotta you gotta prioritize yourself like just because i'm a mother doesn't mean i lose literally any sense of self and identity and things like that so yeah, but things are really good now that he's been doing that. Actually, it's he's he's um he's been great with him, and thank God, basically, yeah. Yeah, wow, what a what a journey. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's but a lot. we're here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everything well else done. Congrats. Now. So yeah, other than that, everything's fun. Remy's like the cutest baby. He's really um he's really happy. He laughs. He giggles. He's super clingy and cuddly, which I love. Um, he's a really sweet boy, and he's really fat. Um, he's really <laughs> chunky. He's in the ninety ninth percentile for his weight really? and his height and his head size. So and it doesn't go above ninety nine. So he's literally like the biggest possible baby for his age. He's in clothes for one year old. So Does that he's really big does that mean he'll likely be a big no human or? no okay. no it's like i adrian was really excited thinking we'd have a basketball player but um no yeah it's, every every man's like a, <laughs> mind goes a dream yeah. next prop forward um, for australia let's go yeah you get hit with like a growth hormone for the first two years like um 
and whatever percentage that is, you stay at that percentage, basically. So he was born at like 90th percentile and he's gone up to 99, but that's his new norm. So he should be in the 99th percentile till he's about two. And then it just levels out and he averages out with other children. So I don't think he'll be a tall kid considering like AJ and I aren't tall people. No one in our family is. He's just a really chunky baby. Um, he's a big boy, but he won't be forever, unfortunately, for everyone that's so excited about that. Um, it's just an interesting little thing. But yeah, then really the only thing is now um, I'm on mat leave and I don't want to go back to work like ever now. So <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I don't want to go back to my previous job, basically. Um, well, it sounds like you've got enough stress think. right now. <laughs> you don't need the stress yeah. from your previous job as well. Yeah. Can, what, so yeah. how much time did Adrian take off and... What's the uh, situation like financially for you guys? I mean, you don't have to go into any detail yeah. about that no, if you fine. don't want to. But and also, yeah. how about like things like the extended family? Because you know, hearing uh, what you guys have been through, it it makes me think about something I read the other day about how um, a lot of uh, people from different cultures will get a lot of support from you know the the mother's mother or just the extended family in general, mm -hmm. and how much assuming that you have a good relationship with the extended family, how much support mm. and help that can give uh, a new mother. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, I'll start with the like finances and things like that. So Adrian took three weeks off, but we spent over a week in hospital. Um, so that was, he had two weeks at home with us and the baby to help out, which was perfect. I think like by after like three weeks postpartum, or two weeks maybe I could walk and pick up baby comfortably on my own um so that was fine and um then he went back to work and I took I planned to take a year off um and then I had like a couple of weeks annually built up my work paid me paid me six weeks maternity leave which isn't great a lot of places do 12 weeks or even six months they pay you a normal weekly wage so i opted to get my wage in half pay so then i could get paid for 12 weeks and then the government pays you minimum wage like 700 dollars um a week i think or 600 um for 18 weeks so you can choose when you want that okay. um and and you can do it anytime up to like a year postpartum or something like that and now that's only getting extended more so over the next few years that will go up to 20 weeks then 22 and then eventually in like six years time, it'll be 26 weeks or something like that. So that'll be good. Is that uh, a federal, five months. is that all yeah, over Australia? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. Um, and so my, my government pay will expire in February and, um, uh, my work really wanted me to go back like in June, um, and they push it up from September saying come in June. And I was thinking about it and they started talking about March and then they started talking about February. And so many mums in my mother's group and on Facebook that like I would say more than 50% of mums, maybe even 60, 70% of mums are going back to work within six months, which I thought was really interesting because I thought everyone just took a year off. Like that was like stock standard, but everyone seems to be going back to work. And I would say probably half of that is because of financial strain and the other half of yeah. that is because a lot of people are like having a baby it's so repetitive like you play with them and like adrian like he'll be like i he says to me i don't know how you can do this literally all day out where he sleeps and then he's up for two hours and 
I put him under his play gym, we do stretches, we do this, we do tummy time, we listen to nursery rhymes, put him down for a nap and then repeat it basically the whole day. And then I'll do, throw a walk or two in there as well. He's like, I don't know how you could do this day in, day out. And so many mothers post saying like, I can't bear this. Like I'm going back to work. Um, I have really like, I'm conscious of talking about this because I don't want to like make anyone uncomfortable that listens to this as new moms. Uh, so, but I will say anyway, I've done heaps of research into like putting babies into childcare. And essentially what I've found is it's almost redundant or has a negative effect on babies up until the age of two where they can get some benefit. So, you know, people always frame it to you saying, well, it's really good for their socializing things like that. It's not. And it's actually that if you put your baby in daycare before the age of two, studies and research shows that when they're at um, school age, they're more likely to be aggressive, find it harder to focus in school. And that the best thing you can do is one-on-one attention. So like family daycare is like a good option as well, which is when you go to like there's three kids in a daycare, uh, but a lot more expensive. Um, So I said to Adrian, after researching this, I don't want 12 months off anymore. I want two years and let's do anything we can to get us to two years which is hard as well because we're planning our wedding in december next year and that's that's been a bit expensive but like to me nothing is more important like that's my biggest priority i would do anything like (laughs) anything in the world i would do i'm selling i'll sell anything adrian's gonna sell his car like we're doing everything we can to keep me at home as long as i can with remy which has been um it's not stressful it's just reality and we're um we're prepared for that and sure. we have a fair amount of savings thank god but god it goes so fast like in the first like few months i was like it was like two and a half months and we had spent like 12 grand on baby stuff already and i was like holy shit like that just went so fast and i was like how are we gonna last a year um so or now even two but um once you bought everything, everything kind of settles down. And I was one of the, I bought everything like new. I should have gone a bit secondhand. Was I did with some things, but I did, I spent way more than I needed to. So you don't don't expect that everything will cost that much. Um, I went a bit overboard probably, but yeah. So that's that's the plan. I'm also don't want to go back to work mainly because I don't think I can work in like the child protection field anymore. Like I just feel like when I gave birth and I was in hospital all I kept thinking of was work and the mothers I work with and removing the babies and those kind of things. And also when you're so stressed, I can so see why people have this response to babies that get them removed. Like I was thinking, God, like I'm stressed and I'm the least stressed person I know. Imagine someone that has like really significant mental health issues, no family support, no nothing. Um, no uh, financial capacity and they're on their own with a baby and you know things happen where they sh- they shake the baby they harm a baby they neglect the baby all these things and then we take them into care I could understand it more but it also makes me a lot more sad since having a baby so I've decided I'm not going to go back to um, employment I'm going to be I'm going to do self-employment um so I want to go into more into my own like relationship coaching so individual coaching couples um, sex and intimacy, dating and family coaching. Um, so I'm going to start that up. My biggest issue is I don't know how to make a website, but <laughs> we'll get there. Um, so that's my plan for the next oh, year or two. Finally work about myself that's, again. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, what we exactly. all, we all, everyone, every millennial wants to do that, don't they? Self-employed and yeah, 
yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it looks yeah. a lot easier than what it actually is but uh it is yeah. a very rewarding profession when um it works yeah, and like i'm i'm kind of prepared that it may not work in the way that could be self-sustaining in two years like but my idea was if i want to play take two years of mat leave as it is why not at least try to make another income and if it fails it fails but if it doesn't yeah i have people messaging me all the time from this podcast in particular saying do you do like private consulting or sessions or things like that and i'm always like let me get back to you in a few months (laughs) so um now i can finally start that which i'm excited for as well um and i did it a couple of years ago and it was all right um nice. but i wanted the full-time employment so yeah and then everything of family support oh, we're really lucky that our family is wanting to be really really involved on both our sides but i'm kind of was leaning more the other way compared to most new moms that were i saw a lot of people complaining and rightfully so that they had no like family support whereas i was like i just want to be like in my bubble with my baby and I want to heal and having people over and constantly messaging me and visiting was so stressful for to me because I just like I was literally in so much pain and breastfeeding was such a hassle for the first couple of months so I was like please stay away but I would invite people over to be like polite (laughs) um but I guess I'm that's like you know that's such a first world problem like I'm really lucky that I can complain (laughs) about having too much support from um family but I would say I definitely lost friends since giving birth a lot of people just that I thought you know once I've had the baby and I can visit and stuff and go to Sydney and stuff again um I'll pick up all my friendships where they left off um no like it's crazy how I thought what do you mean what they don't want to see you or something or what yeah just a lot of people I found not a lot I would say like I I have like a really close, um, close knit group of girlfriends and I did notice maybe like half of them during my pregnancy stopped kind of seeing me as much and, um, talking to me or checking in as much. And I got it because I was like really stressed about COVID and getting sick. So I was like, well, that's fine. Um, once I've had the baby, I'm sure it'll be different. They'll come visit. And I kept inviting them like, do you want to come up? Do you want to come see me? I can't get to Sydney yet. I'm allowed to drive for eight weeks, blah, blah, blah. And just no one did. And then even when we talk now, sometimes they don't ask about the baby or ask about me at all. It's literally me making the effort and they haven't still haven't seen me yet. Um, so I kind of thought, was that a me thing? But then on um, Facebook, I see that every, women post literally daily in my mother's group. They talk about it, like how many friends they lost since having a baby. People really? always assume you're really busy and you don't want to like talk about non-baby things. Or maybe it's also like my age and people are like, maybe that should be the life setting I'm at, being near 30 or whatever. I don't know what it is, but wow. I'm was really surprised about it because I kept hearing about it and everyone I know that's had a baby would tell me that like be prepared you'll lose a lot of friends and I was like not for me that wouldn't happen to me that's so interesting that's sad in a way yeah it is it was really sad because like I feel like literally the exact same and when I my friends that I do see like they were like saying you're literally the same and we do the same things we talk about the same things you just have a baby with you and he's so easygoing like he just sits with me. Like it's not, it's really not much has changed. The only thing is I occasionally have to whip out a boob to feed him. So be it. Like I don't talk about only babies like I did in this podcast. Sorry. But yeah, so that's, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. that I, I'd never heard that before, but uh, yeah. there you go. 
Uh, I wonder if there's anything comparable to fathers, but as far as I'm aware, I don't think I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's hard for I, me to tell with Adrian because he's so introverted as it is. Like, who knows? But I've, yeah, I haven't heard the same for dads. You would, you would think that's the time when you know, well, good friends would want to support you the most. I mean, I, yeah. I I guess you're not able to. There's the the typical joke of. Um, parents who can no longer you know do the fun things and whatnot but yeah i mean by the time you get to your late 20s and 30s not everyone's getting getting hammered every time they hang out anyway yeah, well you would hope yeah. be not the yeah, best friend group if they are that. so it was yeah it's weird the only thing i can think of is they just assume that life's different for me now and i'm busy or whatever but my closest friends have like really like helped me more than ever and have been oh, closer good. to me and really like surrounded me. It's just other friends that I thought would just hadn't just lost a lot of friends randomly. Um, so it was yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Ah well, hopefully hopefully they come around. Um, but yeah, this has been a very informative and educational insight into what the last few months of of your life has been and um. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm sure um, it's been very informative to a lot of people. Uh, and thank you for for sharing all of that. And again, I've, I've said it a few times, but congratulations! And thank uh, you. This is this is super exciting. Well done. You're a, you're a mom. That's uh, that's crazy. So Woo. yeah, um, all the best. And do you have any final final words or uh, any any extra thing I might have missed out on or? Anything you want to add um, in this podcast? Final words, if you're a partner to someone that's pregnant or has had a baby, like really try to take some of the emotional labor off. Like don't ask a million questions. Just say like, this is what I want to do. Will this help? Or um, I'm going to do this. Can I help you with this way? Rather than being like, what should I do now? What should I do now? Like be really there and present with your partner and understand that it's a really stressful hormonal uh, time where people need to heal and it takes a lot of time and for anyone that is having a baby or has just had a baby I can only speak for the first four months but it gets better and better every single week and um, you're also not alone though if you find it really stressful and really hard even many months after giving birth I see people post about it all the time so you're not alone in that it's not always a magical experience for everyone and a lot of people take a long time to bond with their babies as well and that's really normal some people don't give birth and instantly fall in love that can grow over months or a year um and if it doesn't get yourself checked for postpartum anxiety and depression finish it there <laughs> all right well thank you very much and thank you guys all for listening i hope you enjoyed the break as much and as next week neil i want a very extended out update from you Sure. I mean, I can't, I can't compete with that. That's uh, obviously far more um, significant than what I've uh, gone through in the last three, four months. But sure, I'll give you a, a quick rundown next week. And uh, happy 2023, everyone. Um, keep you updated with everything going on with the podcast. But yeah, it's pretty much back as normal. I might change the subscriptions around the end of February, but I'll let everyone know about that. And as always, if you are uh, looking to send in a topic, a question, or a shout-out, go to neilkalhatka.com slash podcasts. And if you have been subscribed for uh, a considerable amount of time and you might have already sent in a question or a topic, it's probably time now where you're able to send in another one. So go ahead. Yes. And we'd love to try and answer some of those and explore some new topics. And thank you again. Looking forward to a big Season 2 slash 
2023. Woohoo! All right, bye guys. Hello.